Shalom and blessings. This is Pastor Clifton McDowell Sr. here at the Church of God of East New York, located in the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray this week's sermon blesses and encourages you for the journey. God bless. Now enjoy the sermon. We honor you. We bless your name. We exalt you, O God. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in a battle. He is the King of glory. We bless you, God. Praise awaits thee in Zion, because you and you alone are worthy. Thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this confidence that we can have in you. We have the victory. And because we have the victory through Christ, joy is ours, peace is ours, victory is ours, oh God. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what our ears have heard. Thank you for what our hearts have experienced. Thank you for this great gathering of your people. Dear God, on this, the Lord's day, we pray, oh God, that as we look into your word, that you would, dear God, pour into our hearts, into our minds. We pray, oh God, that you would be glorified and the body of Christ would be built up and edified for the work that you've given us to do in our generation. In this season, oh God, thank you for calling us into the kingdom for such a time as this. Thank you for all that you've done to prepare us for such a time as this. Thank you, God, for those that are listening. Pray, God, that somebody would say yes to you. Somebody would say yes to your will and yes to your way. That somebody would throw away the excuses today and turn their lives over to you, Jesus. We bless you and we thank you. Now let the words of my mouth, God, the very meditation of my heart, God, let it be acceptable in your sight. You are my Father. You are my Lord. You are my strength. I give myself to you. Have your way, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all the people of God said, amen, amen, and amen. Thank God. Thank God for song. Thank God for worship. Thank God for music. It cheers the heart. It reminds us. Amen, that our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly, more than we can even imagine. Thank God today. Praise the name of Jesus. Again, we say welcome to you on behalf of myself, our First Lady, the leadership of the Church of God of East New York, all of our congregants to our, from our community. We welcome you to the Church of God of East New York want to share with you out of the Word of God as we start a, a sermon series, amen. Today we want to look into the book of Matthew. We want to look into the book of Matthew. And as you're getting your Bibles, hopefully you can turn to Matthew chapter 4, amen. As you're getting there and turning to that, it's the first book in the New Testament, amen. We'll be looking at the fourth chapter Amen, of Matthew. 
there is such a thing that is called a staff audit. Companies sometimes will have it performed within the industry or within the company. Amen. A staff audit is it's designed to analyze who is where in the organization and whether they are producing at the level that they ought to be producing for the position that they may occupy. The point of the audit is to ensure that the right people are in the right place doing the right thing in the right way. Did you hear me? Um, the purpose of that audit is to ensure that the right people are in the right place doing the right thing in the right way. And so as part of this audit, one of the questions that would be part of the audit would be, does each staff member, each staff member's job and productivity contribute to the goals or the success of the company? Does the person and their job, their productivity in the position, does it contribute to the goals of the company? In this sermon series that I'm calling The Anatomy of a Servant, the anatomy of a servant. In this series, I want you to begin to ask yourself that same type of question. How is my life as a follower of Christ contributing to his purposes in the earth? How is my life, my activity, my behavior, how is it contributing to the purposes of God in the earth. As a follower of Jesus Christ, how am I contributing to fulfilling the purposes of God? As we go through this message, as we go through this series, I want that to be on the, on the forefront of your mind. Ask yourself. Don't ask how somebody else is. Just ask yourself. And so if you would, the book of Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 18. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake. Why? For they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus says. Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people, or I will make you fishers of men. At once, the Bible said they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, went a little bit further. He saw two other brothers. He saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, James and John, sons of Zebedee. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets, cleaning their nets, mending their nets. And Jesus called to them also. And immediately, the Bible said that they left their father. They left the boat, left their father, and they followed him. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then the Bible says in the chapter, same book, different chapter, amen, in chapter 20, 
we see these two sons of Zebedee again. If you're taking notes, this sermon is the first sermon. It's an introduction um, for the series. And I would put a title on it as this, A Servant's Call. A Servant's Call. And so in the book, chapter 20 of Matthew, we pick it up and we see James and John again, but we see them um, asking a question through their mother. Now, if you read this account in Mark, you will know that it is not the mother's idea, it is the son's idea about their request. Listen to what goes on. In verse 20, it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. Jesus asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. He said, You don't know what you're asking. They were asking for positions of authority, for special positions of authority. And that's interesting to me because Scripture describes, tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. She's asking that her, one of her sons would sit in the seat on the right and one would sit on the seat in the left. Jesus says, listen, you don't know what you're asking. It, it, the brother's request, it, it, it appears to me that the brother's request is very similar to the kinds of requests that people or desires that people have today. They want privilege and they want power privilege and authority without service and commitment. That they want, they want to get recognized without having had any consistency. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. You have no clue really what you're asking. Um, Jesus, but Jesus said to them, he asked them a question. Can you drink, can you drink the cup? that I'm going to drink? Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? The boys answered, yes, we can. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. There's a difference between drinking the cup and drinking from the cup. One is a sip. The other is to drain the content. Jesus tell him, you don't know what you're asking. You will indeed drink from my cup, cup of suffering. And they would, both of them would drink from the cup of suffering. You know history, you know what scripture tells us, that James would be killed, he would be martyred. And his brother John would be exiled to the island of Patmos. Jesus tells them, but to sit at my right hand on the left, on the right or the left, he said, it's not up to me, it's not for me to grant. 
He tells them these places, these positions, these seats belong to those whom they have been prepared by my father. It's up to my father who will sit on the right and will sit on the left. Jesus can tell them already, listen, right seat is occupied. I'm sitting on my father's right. He's sitting on my left. But he just tells them, that's not up to me. You don't know what you're asking, but that's not up to me. And then the scripture says, when the ten heard this, when the other ten apostles, the other ten of the twelve, when they heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers. They were ticked off. They were upset. Now, you might say, well, it, it must have been righteous indignation. Or they could have just been upset that they didn't come up with the request first. But Jesus being Jesus, he sees the situation as a teaching opportunity. Jesus calls them together and he says to them, you know, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. They lord it over them. He says, and their high officials exercise authority over them. He looks at them, all 10 and all 12 of them, and he says, not so with you. Not so with you. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In the world, people in positions of authority tend to lord it over those that they have authority over. Too often they act harshly and demanding. Too often um, position and title go to their head. They get the big head, you know. But Jesus is telling us that in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, there is to be a fundamental difference. There's to be a fundamental difference in the church concerning power and authority. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. In a world that can be described as a dog-eat-dog kind of world where people strive for earthly success, try to reach for greatness by stepping on folks and then stepping over them. The kingdom of God, you reach greatness by serving others in the love of Christ. 
Now understand this, get this, and this is notable. Jesus does not condemn James and John for aspiring to greatness, but he condemns worldly methods for pursuing it. He says, this is how they act in the world. It must be different from the way we act in the kingdom. These are the motivations in the world. The motivations in the kingdom must be different. And so I challenge you, amen, my young brothers and sisters, my, 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 um, my same age, middle age, older, go for it. Go ahead and dream big dreams. Go and ask and go ahead and ask the big ass. Ask God, how can you use, how can I use my skills and my talents that I've been given to have the biggest possible impact in the kingdom for the glory of God and for the good of people. Go ahead, dream big dreams and ask big ask. As you move closer, as you move closer to your potential, as your capacity continues to expand and increase, remember this, when it comes to the kingdom of God, servants, not celebrities, are on top in God's eyes. Too many folk want to be celebrities and have fans, and God is looking for servants. The world celebrates celebrities. The kingdom celebrates servants. Oh, bless the Lord. Jesus doesn't just demand servanthood of us. He comes and he demonstrates it among us. He attained greatness by humbling himself as a servant. Even though he was the one who creates everything that is, he made the sun hot. He made the moon a man to reflect the rays of the sun. He made water cool. He made water wet. He made you and he made me. And yet he humbles himself. The creator humbles himself, takes on flesh, and becomes as a servant to sacrificially serve others. The Son of God, our Lord and Savior, he chose the way of sacrificial service. So why in the world, if he's our Lord and Savior, if he's our model, if he's our example, why in the world would we think or expect a different path for ourselves? Jesus said of himself that he did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ calls us, my friend, Christ calls us to serve not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others, for the glory of God. And yet when we serve, when we serve, when we are obedient to the will of God, it's amazing. It boomerangs. It blesses us too. Amen. As you are a blessing, it tends to bless you too. But the reason that we serve is not to be blessed, it's to be a blessing. Amen. God has blessed us so that we might bless others, but that can't be the reason why you serve. We serve to fulfill our purpose as servants of God. Understand this. 
You have appliances in your house. But appliances don't serve themselves. Toasters don't eat their own toast. Mm -mm. Refrigerators don't cool the food that they're going to eat. Stoves don't eat the food that they cook. Microwaves don't digest the food that they radiate. Can openers don't eat what's in the can they open. Appliances are there to serve somebody else. And I submit to you that we are not here for ourselves. The church does not exist for itself. Amen. You have not been gifted for yourself. We each benefit, amen, from what each of us provide. The world has to benefit because you're here. Those appliances are not there from themselves, but we all benefit from their calling. Ephesians 2, verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You can't boast about being saved. You can't boast about being a Christian. You can't boast about your sins forgiven. It is a gift of God. It is a gift of grace. And then he says, for we are God's handiwork. One translation says, we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has assigned. God has assigned each believer a divine purpose. And fulfilling that purpose results in benefits to others. Charles Stanley, in one of his books, says this. He says, serving is giving, and giving is the very essence of the gospel. He goes on and he says, God gave his only begotten son. Jesus gave his life on the cross. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to resist and follow God's commands. And then we give our hearts to God. And we are called then to give ourselves to others with generosity and unconditional love. Scripture, the Bible, instructs us how we are to live as disciples of Christ and how we are to serve others as ambassadors, and that's who we are, as ambassadors of the kingdom of God on the planet. We pray the prayer, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are heaven's ambassadors. We are citizens of another kingdom on this planet. We are disciples of Christ. We are servants of the most high God. He lives within us. And it is from the abundance of of what we have been given in Christ that God calls every believer to freely give themselves to ministry, to service. You understand East New York? 
We've been purposely chosen, called, purposely called, purposely shaped, purposely designed, purposely equipped, purposely positioned, and purposely empowered to serve, to serve the purposes of our Lord as we follow the example of Jesus who is the supreme servant. There are some believers, there are some believers who, who feel that only pastors and preachers and evangelists or, or church staff, that they are the only ones that can be described as servants of God. The reality in the kingdom is this. Any person, who has answered the call to salvation by accepting Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Any person that has answered that call to salvation has been called to be a servant of God. We are all ministers in the kingdom. We believe in the church of God. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. We are all called to minister to others in particular areas of need. From various positions at particular times and places. But always with the mind and the heart motivated towards generous service for the glory of God. The priesthood of the believer. Listen, in the kingdom, no one is excluded. In the kingdom, no one is exempt from service. You do not get an exemption card because you don't feel good, because you don't, you're not a people person. No one is exempt. No one is excluded from service. We have each been commissioned by God to serve him and to serve others in need every day of our lives. You see, service is an act of doing good work as God leads us and directs us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now understand here, the work is already there for us. Our responsibility is to obey God even as Jesus obeyed his Father. The work is there. Now, while we are not saved, we are not saved by good works. There is no amount of work you can do that will earn you browning points and earn you salvation. We are not saved by good works. We are saved by faith through grace in Jesus. While we are not saved by good works, I submit to you that we are saved to do work, to do good work, not mediocre work, but good work as servants of God. And so if you are a truly, if you are truly a follower of Christ, you have a calling. That's right, I said, you have a calling on your life to be a servant of God. And serve his purposes in ministry. How? By doing good works. You are not called to sit on the sideline and watch life go by. You have a call on your life. 
be a servant of God. A servant of God who has been commissioned to make disciples of the nations, to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You've been commanded to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. You've been commanded to love people. Stop wasting time wondering if you have a call on your life. I'm telling you today, you have a call on your life. If you're a believer, if you're a disciple of Christ, or if you have been genuinely converted, you have a call on your life. You wondering and wasting time and wasting years, wondering if you have a specific call to a specific task in a specific place, with a specific title, or a specific person, position. Get to doing what you know you've already been called to do. In the place God has already placed you. Using the tools he has given you. Using the skills he has been, he has equipped you to use. With the title. He has already bestowed upon you, servant of God. Warren Wisby, another writer, says this. He says, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Let, let, me, let me repeat that again. He says, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. What does that say? It says that you and I must know the divine resources available to us personally. That we must see human need around us compassionately. That we must become channels of God's resources so that God alone is glorified. Because when God is glorified, the Holy Spirit can work to bring Christ to those who need to know him. Ministry. You have a calling on your life. I'm told a story of a young professional violinist who had been invited to play uh, at a large, grand auditorium. And um, he went, he accepted the invitation, and he played a wonderful rendition, a whole concert, a wonderful rendition of selections. And, and when he had finished this, this auditorium, the crowd just stood to their feet, and they gave him a roaring standing ovation. Everybody was clapping their hands. They were shouting from the rafters. He had just delivered a magnificent performance. The young violinist, he walked off the stage with tears coming down his eyes and his head bowed down dejected. There was a stagehand who saw him and he goes up to him and he says, why are you so sad? Why, why, why are you crying? 
These people, they're going crazy out there. And you're in here crying. I don't understand. The young violinist, professional violinist, he says, do you see that one man? You see that one man in the center down there? He's still seated. He's still sitting. The stagehand says, yeah, I see him. So what? There are 2,000 other people who are standing, who are applauding you. The young man said, that may be true, but you don't understand. That man who's still in his seat in the middle, that man is my dad. And not only is he my dad, he's also my violin teacher. And if he doesn't stand, it doesn't matter what the other 2,000 people do. If he doesn't stand, I'm going to tell you something. If God doesn't applaud when he sees how you and I live our lives, if he doesn't, if he's not pleased, then it doesn't matter what other people, what other people say, what, how other people respond, if he is not pleased. How in the world can we be pleased? If if he does not tell me well done at the end of my life, it, it, it won't matter how many degrees I have. It won't matter how many titles, how many awards, how many positions, how much money's in the bank, and how many people spoke well of me. It won't matter if he doesn't say well done to me. In the book of Matthew, chapter 25, listen to what it says. It says, when the Son of Man, verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in, the, in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the Bible says, then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? When did we see you needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The Bible says the king who is God will say, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, 
brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Scripture teaches us whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. And then he says, he will say to those that are on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed. Depart into eternal fire, not prepared for you, but prepared for the devil and his angels. He says, for I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. He says, they also will answer, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison? When did we see you like that and, and did not help you? The Lord replies, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do, Whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. The Bible says then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. We are called to be servants of God. We are not called to be seen. We're not called to fame or fortune. We're not called, amen, to receive applause. We are not called for a grand title or a grand position. But we are called to be servants of God for the sake of the king and for the sake of his kingdom, for the sake of the one who saved you, for the sake of the one who forgave you, for the sake of the one who cleansed you, washed you, healed you, delivered you. One that looked beyond your faults and saw your needs and folded you into his royal family. Serve the Lord. You have a calling on your life. Serve the Lord with gladness. You have a servant's call. Right now, you may not have a servant's heart or a servant's mind. You may not have a servant's eyes or a servant's ears. You may not have a servant's hands. But I submit to you that you have a servant's call. As a believer, as a disciple of Christ, you have a servant's call. You are called. And you have been informed. There's a calling on your life, and you need to get to it. I want to talk to somebody who's listening. I want to ask you a personal question. Do you know God? Do, do you know God personally? Do you know him for yourself? Do, do you have a real, genuine, growing relationship with the God who created you through Jesus Christ? Do you have his peace? Do you have the peace of God on the inside? Do you know why you're here? I want to tell you that you can know God personally. You can know him for yourself. You can know him today.
Wouldn't you like to know him? Wouldn't you like to have a personal relationship with the Lord? Why not come to him today? Why not turn your life over to him? Is there any really good reason why you are not living for Jesus? Is there any really good reason? I submit to you it's as simple as ABC and I know some folk try to make it complicated but Jesus said I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full you need to acknowledge that Jesus is the Savior who came and gave his life because of you and for you you, you need to believe that Jesus is the only one to give you tr true life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You must believe. And then you must commit your life to him. Commit your life to Jesus to, his, to serving him, to following him. Why not do that right now? Bow your head with me right now where you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Come on, tell him. I acknowledge that Jesus, he came he died for me. He died for my sins. He died because of me. But he died for me. I acknowledge that. And I believe that Jesus is the only way to life. That he is the truth. That he is the way. I believe it. And right now, in the stillness of this room, I commit to you the rest of my life. I confess you as Lord and Savior. I will serve you. I will follow you. Thank you for accepting me. In Jesus' name. Glory, hallelujah. The Bible says you believe that in your heart and you confess that with your mouth unto salvation and you are saved. Congratulations, welcome to the family of God. If you don't have a church home, I'd like you to, amen. But till God says otherwise, just see this church as your home church. Let us know that you have prayed that prayer. Just let us know that you've just joined the family of God by accepting Christ. Um, you can go onto our website to www.cog-eny.com and you can go to the contact tab and just let us know that you just received Christ. Give us your name, give us your contact information so we can reach out to you. Or call the church at 718 235 7886 and let us know that you've just made a decision I congratulate you and I welcome you to the family of God
To my other brothers and sisters who are listening to me, I got some questions to ask you. Are you concerned enough about the needs of others so that you see them, see their needs, and want to help? Do, do you have compassion for those who are in need? Are you willing to be a channel for God's glory, channel for God's blessings? Will you take seriously your call to be a servant of God? Will you dare to be great in the kingdom of God through the loving, through loving service to others? Will you obey the great commission you've been given to make disciples of the nations? Will you obey the great commandment to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love others as yourselves? Will you trust him and obey him as a servant of God and watch him work things out for your good and to his glory? Remember that what Warren Worsby said, he said, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels. I submit you are that loving channel to the glory of God. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. As someone who has been purposely chosen, purposely called, purposely shaped, purposely designed, purposely equipped, purposely positioned, and yes, purposely empowered to serve as a servant of God in the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now, that was then, this is now, but now you are the people of God. Once you had re not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, there is a servant's call on your life. Embrace the call from the youngest of you to the oldest of you. No one is exempt and no one is excluded. Thank you for joining us this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and tag us in your social stories at C-O-G-E-N-Y. Thank you to those who have given generously to this ministry in the past. And if you'd like to become a contributor, head over to cog-eny.com. That's cog-eny.com. And just click on the offering and donations tab. Again, thank you so much. Now God bless.